Do you think UFOs, the paranormal, weird history, cryptozoology, and outsider art are pretty darn cool? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to High Strangeness with your host, Steve Berg. Hello, everyone. Thank you for coming back to another episode of High Strangeness. Tonight, I have my good buddy, Brian Corian. And Brian in is the host of the necronomicast which is an absolutely fabulous podcast they talk about the paranormal they talk about true crime he has all kinds of uh you know like entertainment celebrities in the horror genre and it they cover so much i mean it's just a beautiful thing and another wonderful thing about brian he is an expert trumpet player he plays for thousands of people all over the country he's the man brian how are you doing this evening? I'm great, man. What a treat to be on this show. I was, you know, I listened to your show and I was listening oh, since the beginning and I've been going through, like through all your guests and I'm like, and then when you asked me to be on the show, I'm like, uh, are you sure? Like, <laughs> oh, get out of town. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you've got amazing guests and I, I'm, I'm really proud of what you've been, uh, what you've been putting out, man. It's great content. Oh, thanks, buddy. I do that means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. Well, likewise on your show. And you've been doing the Necronomicast for like over a decade, am I right? Yeah. Like the show itself started. It's kind of like the Tonight Show. Like it started yep. with different hosts like a long time ago. It started in 2011 by uh, my good friend Wayne Brecky and Tim Welch. And they they started as a horror appreciation podcast. Mm -hmm. And then uh in 2004. Uh, there was some, uh, Wayne stayed on the show. Tim went on other pursuits, um, other pursuits. And then they asked me if I wanted to, <laughs> that sounds very mysterious. Uh, other pursuits. We won't talk about that right now. <laughs> no, no. He's a, he's a, he's like an author. He's written some children's books. He became a chaplain. He's a motivational wow, speaker. Okay. He's an addictions counselor. I mean, like Jeez. he's doing all these amazing things. I just didn't know if I should go on somebody else's biography, but <laughs> But so, so Wayne and the guys asked me if I wanted to be on because they knew I loved horror movies and I was really into Friday, am into Friday the 13th. I consider myself an expert in a way. You are. Of Friday the 13th. And then after a couple of years of being on the show uh, as a co-host, uh, then in 2020, um, I, I was, went on my own with it and got their blessing. And so since 2020, it's been the Brian Corey show. <laughs> all right hot dog well you're doing it justice baby but i mean like so you, you but you you've you're at you've been at the helm now for a while uh it's i mean you know it, it podcasting takes a little more work than i i thought it did i thought you just hit recording like bing bang boom babe <laughs> you know like <laughs> well you know as you and i both know there's a lot of you know show prep and contacting yeah. guests and editing and putting the shows yeah. together some people just hit record and boom bang boom and that's it yeah. and uh but yeah but for the discerning listener, yes. <laughs> they appreciate the show prep and everything that like uh, that you especially and then I put together on our, you know, we do it on our show and it's a labor of love. But man, it's it's so cool. Like you were just on my show a couple months ago. And oh, that was, it was so much fun. Oh, it was so well received, too. People were just like, oh, my gosh, you guys sound great together and you guys Aww. really hit it off. And and I was like, yeah, you should see us like when we're you know, eating tacos together, yeah. or having lunch at Goldberg's or whatever. That That's really when we're fired up is when we're eating tacos at Hector's. Uh, Brett, I'm going to come out of the barrel just gunning. And I'm going to ask you a very important trivia question. And I highly doubt you'll get it right Fuck. because it's very difficult. Why? Why? Right, right? I'm, I'm putting okay. you on the spot right away. What right. do 
Malcolm X, Nick Nolte, Henry Fonda, Swoozy Kurtz, Marlon Brando, Alexander Payne, Connor Oberst, Gabrielle Union, Fred Astaire, Warren Buffett, Montgomery Cliff, Tim Casher, and Elliot Smith all have in common. Well, Steve, they all happen to be native Omahans. Hell yes. And so are you and so am I. So uh, my friends listening to this, this is one of these wonderful rare opportunities. I know I'm always throwing Nebraska tidbits in there, you know, right and left because uh, you know, I'm interested in it. But Brian is too. We're both, we're in, in, in a sense, I'm, you know, obviously we're friends, but I think we're kind of colleagues in, you know, trying to preserve uh, weird Nebraska. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, there, there's so much here. And, and just like all the listeners out there, out there in podcast land, you know, in their hometowns, every town's got a story, every town's got history and, and God bless y'all. I love it. But you know, like Omaha is, it's, we're sons of the soil. And so, we, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and God bless you, man. I know you've got a, a great career and you, and you jet set and you travel between here and LA and everything, but, but really, man, it's like, this is our hometown and, and we yeah. rep it we rep it with pride. I mean, I yes. love, I love Omaha, the good, bad, and the ugly. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a, there's, there's so many wonderful things about Omaha and there's a lot of, you know, painful things in its past, but yeah. it's my hometown and uh, I, I'm, I love it here. And I, I, it's my, you know, I just love Omaha. Yeah, it's, just, it's a it's great, a it's a great place. town. It's a good it town. is. And it's, it's uh, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those towns that you don't know this, but it is one of the, in my opinion, the greatest pizza town in the entire world. For sure. And I think, let's talk about that for a second, because, you know, Godfather's Pizza. Great. Started here. Yeah. Uh, uh, Valentino's Pizza. It's a local chain, but fantastic. Yeah, so good. You know, and and, uh, of course we have, you know, people that migrate here and they want to start their own pizza business here Mm -hmm. and they're from Chicago. So we have like places that have like a Chicago style. We have a place that has a New York style. Yeah, right. We have those kinds of pizzas Mm -hmm. here that other people have brought to Omaha, but man, we love our here. We sure do. We do. Big Fred's happens to be my favorite. So the good, uh, the goody Rooney. Oh, don't I get that for my birthday every year. It's okay, so decadent. Fold, fold it in half. Just eat that oh, shit. God, stop it. <laughs> oh my God. It's, I have to like, you know, really like be a good boy all week to deserve one of those. Cause it's calorie heavy, my friend. Oh, <laughs> not good yeah. for the waistline. No, no, no. It's carb. It's carb centric. It's sure. Yeah. A lot of cheese. Uh, you know, I kind of feel like what I wanted to do with you on the show, since we both have this passion for Weird Nebraska, is I want you and I to kind of act in the roles of Nebraska's weird tour guides mm. to mm. give some of my listeners just a taste of like, you know, uh, some of the great cases. And I know you know, uh, Brian knows a lot about the history of the of true crime in Nebraska, too. And we have some kinds, I mean, you know, like, I'm not celebrating these cases, but like, if you're into true crime, I think it's interesting to talk about, you know, because there's some messed up stuff that's happened here. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, man. Like I, there's some shows that I want to do that. Like I can't get people to talk about them because yeah. they don't want to, or yeah. they're scared or yeah, there's, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> bad true crime here. So yeah, let's role play. We're going to be tour guides. Is that what we're doing? We're, we're going to be tour guides, but before All we right. get into that, we're, we're, we're not. We're not getting there just yet. I want oh. to re- try to remember, how did you and I exactly meet? I know it was when I moved back to Omaha a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually ago. listened to a great podcast that you are involved with a lot, and that would be um, your friend over there at the um, uh, Conspiranormal. 
Yeah, Adam and the Fairfield, great guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Paranormal's great. And uh, I've been following them for a while. And then just like I was listening to some, and they're like, and now from Nebraska. And I'm like, what? Wait, what? Yeah. And then they said Steve Bergen, and then I had to go back through the the um, you know the kind of the, like okay West Side da da blah 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 right. And so then I reached out um, to That's Adam, right. and I'm like, do you have Steve Berg's information? Yeah. And I found and I found you on Facebook, and then we hooked up, and then we had we had a, a lovely taco lunch, or was it Goldberg's first? I don't. Know. It was Goldberg's first. Yes, we met the Goldbergs by the old bakers on Center. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and and then we just hit it off. I I knew instantly, like uh, genuine spirit, authentic, funny as hell. Um, stop it! I I felt the same <laughs> about you. We were, well, we were kidding. I, I, first off, I remember because I was, I don't think I had been back in Omaha very long at all, yeah. and I was just kind of getting back out into the world uh, post pandemic, or it was probably still during the pandemic. But uh, I remember being so damn excited to meet you because so i was like oh my god here's a kindred spirit yeah. <laughs> not only is from omaha he's really interested in the paranormal and also paranormal nebraska and i was like this is a guy i can work with <laughs> yeah for sure and it's like the same kind of feeling and camaraderie that i felt the first time uh, i met jamie nestrel mm-hmm. um who runs midwest paranormal history tours here in omaha she has a store called the benson boutique uh, she put together the Omaha Hauntacon and I had her on the podcast and then she asked me to be MC uh, of her convention. And it's like, as soon as I met her and I saw what she was about and, and it was the same kind of thing with you. It's like, here's another authentic person. It mm-hmm. must be like Nebraska, you know, yeah. Nebraska nice. Yeah. Yeah. We, well, we are, you know, we are sweethearts here. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> we try to be at least, I mean, not everyone is, but a question I have for you, um, how much have you done much investigating in terms of, uh, you know, kind of in the local area in Eastern Nebraska or just anywhere in Nebraska? Oh, you mean like paranormal investigating or like, yeah. Other... Yeah. Well, if you oh, have yeah. other investigations too, I'd like to hear about them, but, uh, yeah, well, I'm trying was, to paranormally speaking. I'll, I'll get to the paranormal in just a sec. Cause we can talk more about that. But right now I'm trying to gather information, of course, about well, the Franklin case. I've been wanting to do a Franklin credit yeah. union, uh, child exploit. Yeah. I want Cause yeah. it's such an important, uh, part of like eighties culture. It Especially is. around here, but also worldwide, you know, just how, how far reaching that was. I'm trying to like gather research and people, but that's one case nobody wants to talk about. Nobody does. Uh, yeah. I mean, it makes me nervous to talk about it even, you know, just because like of what it involves and, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and who, who, and, and who, yeah, yeah. it was, yeah. uh, I mean, I'm sure people listening might have an inkling or they've heard about it at least, but it really was one of these things that coincided with the satanic panic and just rumors and uh, you know like I, I don't know how much validity there is to any of it i really don't like it's one of these things where i'm like i'm gonna look into that and then i'm like no i'm not i'm too scared <laughs> like i read i read john i think one thing that kind of hurt the validity of the case is that john DeCamp. Mm-hmm. yeah i got his book a, right over there for, for sure. yeah i read yeah. that book but then john DeCamp, you have to remember was a whack a wackadoo i mean he was like a lawyer for like all the militias in Idaho. Mm-hmm. I mean, like he's, he was not like, a, yeah. <clears throat> you know, a guy that he was a little hard to trust. And I think he was the one who was really pushing the satanic angle <laughs> of this. You know, Yeah. It was, it was pretty convenient to hook it all together uh, yeah, at the time. Yeah. You know, what, yeah, oh, it, what, what's the through line? It's sata- satanic stuff. <laughs> well, it must be, it, well, it just yeah. must be, you know? So yeah. there's that, but, it, uh, but aside from that, like paranormal stuff. Yeah. A lot of, um, 
like the bigger historic kind of places, landmarks around here, mm-hmm. especially in the vicinity of mm-hmm. Omaha. But yeah, a lot of private things too, and just things to check out. And I'm not always, you don't have to go, you know what I I'll say probably some controversial things to the paranormal community mm-hmm. uh, on this show, but like you don't have to go out and spend tons of money to go to a landmark case and spend, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars to stay for one night and, and hope to get something like there's places that you can go local establishments, open, close people. If you approach them kindly and um, you know, with a genuine spirit, some people will just sit down and talk to you about, noises and sounds mm-hmm. and scents and sights and you know you, you it, there's a million places out there the our good friend uh mr tenny will always say like the whole you know the earth is haunted yes you know? so you don't and that's not to throw shade on on there's places that that take money or accept money when you do an investigation and use it to preserve the history of the place or you know maintenance Absolutely. of the place there's 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 great places out there but uh-huh. what i'm just saying is like you don't have to spend tons of money. You can just go out and, uh, you know, go to a, a bar, a church, a, a community yeah. theater, any place like that, that has, um, some history or, mm, you know, that's congregated people in some way. Right. Right. Oh, that's a, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Like, you know, like it does seem like, you know, because, uh, one, one thing, uh, Brian hosts this wonderful, <laughs> event every october called haunted heartland historic haunted heartland yep of course i'm gonna mess up the title sorry i mess up every title that, that is a that's everyone take a drink because i do it every episode um let me interrupt you real first though because yes, uh, i'm gonna tell everybody podcast secret this is a uh steve's introduction was a second take because he yeah. butchered the name of my podcast i did but if you go back and listen to the old episodes of Necronomicast, because I've kept them all, like all the way back before I, sorry, I hit the mic, all before I ever show, joined the show. I When I first came on the show, I was like, Necro, Rub, Brock, well, yeah, I totally. <laughs> it's hard to say sometimes. I also, like, I, I haven't said it out loud enough. I have to rehearse. I didn't rehearse. Right. <laughs> and I paid the price. I, I did that. I interviewed somebody else the other day, and I messed yeah. up the name of their book, too, and I had it right in front of me. Like, I'm just uh, unable to read, apparently. <laughs> we're, but, we're human steven but human. yes but i want to go back because i want i want to talk about your event so Brian oh, yeah, does thanks. this wonderful event and it is held at the lovely benson theater also supposedly haunted mm. uh but it, it, it takes place in you know early october uh the you know john tenney's been there every year uh joshua darren's coming this year i can't mm. remember who the other guy you just announced the lineup uh it's gonna be uh josh darren's gonna open up the show and wonderful. then dustin perry Lovely. And then the the great Johnny L. Tenney is making a, a return uh, appearance here. And it's funny, um, you know, like I have my email address, necronomicast at gmail.com. And mm-hmm. like every second week of October, I get these emails in, great show, great this. Like I get more fan mail for John Tenney than I do <laughs> people complimenting me as a host. <laughs> you know, it's like, so yeah, so, so bringing him back, he's graciously uh, agreed to, uh, do one of his weird lectures along with Dustin, and uh, I'm so excited to bring Joshua in. I just dropped an episode, yeah, he's featuring great. Josh. Oh yeah, and you inter- had him on too. He's just yeah, just I love a- it. He's lovely. Yeah, and whip smart too. Totally. Oh, I love yeah. what he's doing. His videos are so good. I've learned yep. so- I've learned a lot about the South and Alabama from this guy. You know, like- yeah. And he did a great he did a great uh, little 
um, piece of content about the Black Angel in Council Bluffs, Iowa. So I'm going to try and uh, wheel him up there when he's coming in town. Very cool. Very cool. I was actually going to bring that up tonight. So you you also went to the University of Nebraska at Lincoln, which is our great state capital. And Lincoln kind of has, I mean, like, I don't, I shouldn't say this for sure, but it seems like in terms of paranormal stuff, Lincoln feels more ghost heavy than Omaha to me. It, you know what? I, I wonder why that is, because it's true. And it's there's um there's two fantastic books, and I've had both of the gentlemen on my show. One is a classic. came out like in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's called The Guide to the Ghosts of Lincoln, and you can get it on Amazon. It's by Alan Boy. Okay. Fantastic book, and it's been updated a bunch of times. Uh, he's a retired professor now living in Vermont, but he still has family, visits here and whatnot. Uh, had him on the show. That was that was great. It's got that iconic yellow cover. If you ever remember seeing that in the store, oh. Steve. And then uh, um, my friend Taden Bundy wrote a, t- a book. I want. I don't want. It's called Beyond Lincoln, and and it's kind of like uh, a different kind of approach to telling ghost stories about Lincoln. Right. And I had them both on my program. And but yeah, Lincoln is chock full. I don't know if it's because of. I don't know. I mean, but it, it seems yeah. like Lincoln's way haunted. And my friend Andrew, who played the sax at my historic haunted. Yes. He told an incredible story. Incredible ghost story. And and he saw a full-bodied apparition at a house over by the Nebraska State Capitol. And 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 I've known Andrew for over 30 years. And from the minute he told me that story up to, you know, on stage last year in October, his story's never changed. And it's always been the same, same story, same details. Um, just incredible. Incredible guy, just a brilliant yeah. musician. And uh yeah, but like Full body and apparition. Oh, amazing story. Yeah. Wonderful. And you know what's interesting about Lincoln, too, is that in the 70s, they were having quite a few Bigfoot encounters by the Salt Creek Reservoir mm-hmm. and kind of like Big Lake Park, which I, I think at the time that was kind of the outskirts of Lincoln and, and since then been built into. So it's not as rural as it once was. But mm-hmm. there were quite a few cases that are documented, but also I've, I spoke with, uh, he's now since passed. He was a great researcher from Lincoln named Scott Colburn. Let's give it up for Scott Colburn. Yeah. Right. Scott Colburn was really a legend. He was a colleague. I'm sorry, not to interrupt you. This is yours. No, 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 this is, we're, we're doing this together. We're, we're tour guides here. I'm slipping, I'm slipping into a host mode, not guest mode, but Scott Colburn had an amazing, like a radio show. Yeah. On Saturdays. Before Art Bell and yeah. and did this kind of thing like you what you and I are doing. I mean, yep. like we're like standing on 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 his shoulders for sure. Scott was great yep. show, and yeah, he honestly sure. he he they put on the his show was called Exploring the Explained, and they those were the first big UFO conferences I ever went to in my life, and they were so amazing. The lineups were like, you know, Stanton Freeman would be there. John Keel was there one year. I mean, oh. like. Every it was the heaviest hitters of yeah. the you know early nineties ufology. So like being able to you know have my my mom would drop me off there with a sack lunch of like cold pizza, and I would just like you know back in the early you know back in the day where you could just do that with a kid like see you later and like drop my kid off at a UFO conference in a strange city. But uh, yeah, it was like the most meaningful thing to me, and I I, I love Scott and I miss Scott, but uh. Anyway, he told me, uh, I, him and I kind of reconnected, like, f- you know, before the pandemic, before he passed away, and we would get together when I would come back to Omaha for lunch at the Highway Diner in Lincoln, 
And he would bring with him all these old case files that him and Ray Boucher and Dale Bacon were receiving because they had a 40 in society newsletter and a research group that police officers would call them and say, hey, this old lady saw a Bigfoot picking apples in her orchard. You guys want to go check it out? We don't have time to do it. And they would. So they were really like this kind of like X-Files group wearing trench coats. There was like, a, I mean, like, it's the coolest thing in the world. I, w- I want you and I to start this, by the way. <laughs> but, Done. <laughs> but, Done. But, you know, they had so many reports for, about Bigfoot around and inside of Lincoln. Like wow. a crazy amount that just isn't documented online, and mm-hmm. it's it's tragic because I think a lot of those files went into a dumpster after he died, and it breaks my heart. But <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Like, but at yeah. least there's the legacy of you can go to. Uh, I know it's on the Apple Podcast Store. You can find like his old shows have been his radio shows have been kind of uploaded on podcast. Yep. like form. You know, yep. like. Yeah, so there's a lot like Scott's still living out there. His the ghost yeah. of uh, his voice is still uh, uh, on the digital. The yeah, digital front. he was a real hero to me. I, I miss that guy. Uh, okay, well, so you know, kind of something I want to do with you because I I just never get this opportunity to do with anyone. I just kind of want to bring up a case or bring up a topic and then just like see where we go with it. Okay, hopefully uh, I know what you're talking about. No, it's yeah. so, I mean like I don't know what I'm talking about sometimes too. You know. So. <laughs> Um, and, and, and if you have any case that I'm missing in here and you mm. want to talk about it, please throw it out to me. You know, oh, I'm sure. here yeah. to learn, Let's baby. chat. Let's chat. I'm going to start off with, you know, people, they probably think, oh, there's Loch Ness. There's Champ. But did you know, folks, that Nebraska has its very own lake monster? Brian, would you like to guess what this is? Well, I think I have a poster of it, right? Well, uh, like, can you see it from my... No, but I thought when I was over your house, and it's unbelievable. Yeah, the Walgren Lake Monster, also known as the Alkali Lake Monster, depending on who you talk to. But yeah, the Walgren Lake Monster. And honestly, like if you come to Omaha, go hear Jamie Nestrel's uh, talk about it. She gives a, a great like lecture about it, so I'm not going to steal her thunder. Like She's really done tons of investigating them. But yeah, the Walgren Lake Monster. And some people were like, well, it's just a giant catfish. But, you know, there was like these stories from the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, even the earlier before that, like this monster, kind of like a Nessie coming up and, you know, killing animals, you know, yeah. uh, cattle, goats, yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. coming out of the lake and stealing them <laughs> and then going back in. And I'm like, yeah. well, okay, um, maybe if you had a couple t- too many pops, you you, uh, you you might think a big giant catfish <laughs> yeah. could be a lake monster, but there ain't no way in hell you're going to be seeing a cow getting swallowed by <laughs> A catfish, right? You know? Right. I, you know, and I've I've dug into that case as much as one can with the very little information that there is. Yeah. And the one thing I did here is that the guy who kind of started the story, yeah, was a known con man and kind of a flim flam dude. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what his name was. So, you know, and it was in the era where there were newspaper hoaxes going on, right? You know? So, like the validity of the Walgreens Lake Monster, you know, it's shaky at best, right? But my God, I love it. I've reached out to like different places in that community and like they kind of have sometimes maybe the pandemic killed it, but I'm like, you guys should like jump on this. You right. want tourists to come yep. out to way out Western Nebraska or out in the pan. You want people to come out like you need to, you know, yeah. not lie, yeah. not lie, but like let's no, celebrate, but celebrate in a unique, fun, kick-ass story about folklore and a monster and who knows, who knows? Who in the hell knows what's going on? But celebrate it, you know. I I couldn't agree more because I think these like <laughs> well I I I I love 
small town folksy like little like day celebrations on a Saturday in a mid July afternoon uh, for like a folkloric monster. Yeah, I'd rather be doing nothing else. So <laughs> you know, I'm and with you, you. They should celebrate it. And you and I share this kind of whimsical kind of love of that kind of stuff. It's like I don't need to go out there with a fishing radar. I don't need no. to go out there with sonar. I'm not that. You know, it's like when people just. When people go, here's another controversial thing. When people go to like a quote unquote haunted location and they spend like two hours setting up equipment and, and look, and all they do is like, look at their phone or they look at lights and readings and stuff like that. And I'm like, just go out there, man. Like pack yeah. your lunch. Like you do. There you go. go out pack there. a lunch. And then, and just sit and talk inside the haunted location. Mm-hmm. See if anything wants to join in your conversation. You don't have to measure and, you know, qualify every single thing. Yep. That, you know? What are we going to learn from that? Really? You know, <laughs> but you know, like I agree. My approach to investigation is a beautiful sandwich that I make myself and a crunchy chip, some kind of salty, savory, crunchy chip. And out there I get my thinking done. I experience the magic of place, Brian. Yeah. The magic of place. A little, <laughs> little, uh, a little Debbie star crunch cake. Oh, perhaps? if I'm good, if I'm good, you know, if you've been a good boy, closers. <laughs> yeah, a little Debbie snack cake, you know, so you, can, you know, like a Star Crunch, you know, so you can think about the space, the space visitors coming in while you're eating your Star Crunch, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I love okay, it. I am. We are going to move on to hmm. Hummel Park, and Hummel Park is yeah, a that? park in the northern part of Omaha, and it is heavily wooded. I went to a day camp there when I was a kid, but let's chat about some of the lore of Hummel Park. Oh, Hummel Park. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, it's got a kind of a notorious past, too. You know, there's yeah, all kinds of stories about crimes happening there. Yeah. Yes. But it's just uh, got a it's just got that vibe, you know, and there's all mm-hmm. kinds of shadowy figures like like kind of crypto uh, shadowy figures being seen there, piercing yep. red eyes that, that stare out through the darkness. And there's been Bigfoot sightings there for sure. I know yep. the BFRO agent or representative from Nebraska, if he's still I, I tried contacting him and he doesn't. We, we talked for a while, but then since the pandemic, long right. story short, uh, but he would go out there routinely looking for footprints and things. Um, so very strange lights in the sky, you know, very mm-hmm. like a lot of high strangeness, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There was a dog man sighting there, I think in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> that's from a Reddit thread. So I, <laughs> I don't know. No, but I've, I've tried myself. Yeah. I probably read the same one. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, but I'm calling it a confirmed setting. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> as as heard on high strangeness. It's, exactly. it's that's all it's, you need to do nowadays. That's all. Yeah, it's, it's fact. It's it's fact. It's but fact. There definitely like is confirmed like like kind of a lot of murder out there too. Like, yeah. Well, it's remote. It's yeah. Like you said, it's densely wooded. It's yeah. uh, it's out there, and uh, you know, it's a Unfortunately, it's probably a place people would consider to, you know, hide or conceal a body. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So every state's got them. Yeah. I I remember, you know, when I was growing up, like it was one of those places I'm like, man, I'm going to get a crew together to go out there at night. But it was, but then you would think about it like, man, I am not going out there at night because like the crime was like a little too, I mean, it was sketchy, especially in the nineties. There was like, I remember one murder that was an awful, horrible that one young girl was murdered out there. And then I think there was yeah. like another one, you know, like, yeah, I went to high school with the guy that, uh, I went to high school and sat by him in art class. The guy that 
that did the murder or was what? allegedly that was on death row that got released from death row. <gasps> and he was a West Side guy. I did not know that for a while. Then he, I mean the, uh, you know, he had issues and that made him transfers from school to school, but like uh middle school and into high school. Yeah. That, that individual was, uh, yeah, oh. he was, yeah. Oh God. That like scares me, man. That's free. I'm going to need you to tell me that name off the air though. So I oh, for sure. Be yeah. sure to stay clear of this uh, person. Um, <laughs> I mean, nice. well, yeah, he, he lives in Colorado now. So I hear because every once in a while he gets in like dumb trouble and then they always bring up, well, former Nebraska death row inmate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, his, geez. his partner, um, hung himself in jail, I think it was. And so they were like, he was one of the key witnesses implicating him and when he offed himself then they really didn't have so they dismissed the case and oh it was yeah oh wow yeah see this is why it's good to have brian Corey on because he knows that he he digs into this stuff you are kind of uh uh i mean like your your knowledge of nebraska true crime is truly like impressive to me well you know it's not just the crime part of it like i have a uh like i grew up knowing like my parents were friends with with police officers Mm mm-hmm you know, and so like when I do true crime, I always try and take, I always try and take the high road, Steve. Yeah. I always <laughs> like, like talking about the diligence, uh, of the investigators that tried right. to preserve ju- justice. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm, it's not a podcast where I want to talk about like, well, here's what Ted Bundy did. Yeah. You know, nothing yeah. like that. You know, it's, yeah. it's more like this is, this is the, the, the gumshoe detective that did all the work and put the pieces together and brought them to justice kind of a yeah, thing. How they yeah. solved the mystery, you know, it's like, real. yeah, it, it's, it's very interesting. And, and boy, do we have our, our cases here. Uh, <laughs> and also some of the rumors of Hummel park, what I always heard as a kid, the urban legend was that there was a, a large family of albinos living there, which is a very common, uh, like, yeah. you know, urban legend. I know in New Jersey has like a famous one called like, like the Jack Sox or something. I can't remember their name. Oh, the Jackson the, Whites? The you Jackson the... Whites. Yes. Yeah. That's insane. Well, those are real people, but but right. uh but um yeah, like Appalachian kind of inbred families uh-huh. and like inbred over generations. Right, <laughs> it's just right. It's bizarre. So, yeah, the Jackson so Whites. There's some weird documentaries about that too that I watched like a decade ago. I probably need to I should probably revisit them because I remember being like disturbed by them. I want you to tell me the title of this because I would like to, I will I'd find like to learn more. I, I remember uh, Chris Gethard, who's a wonderful comedian I really like. I heard him mm-hmm. on a podcast talk. He's uh, obsessed with that story. So I heard him talking you know, about it. That's you know where I heard about it? You know where I first heard about the Jackson Whites? Phil Henry. Really? Yeah, he talked about it on his show one time. I'm like, well, that sounds interesting. I'm going to go on Ask Jeeves and... <laughs> Man, I thought Jeeves was going to win the internet war. I can't believe Google won. <laughs> he was a, I can't believe it. Ask Jeeves. It was a gentleman. You're asking a butler, you know, like no. Mr. Belvedere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was all about Jeeves. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, Hummel Park, I mean, you could really go on a long time about it. But um, yeah, I will say one thing about it. I went to a day camp there when I was a kid, and there was a counselor there who looked, I mean, I'm not joking, exactly like Steve Gutenberg. And everyone there called him Mahoney because of Police Academy. But me and my friends were actually like, this is crazy. Is Steve Goodberg really our camp counselor? Like, what's happening? It was almost like indecipherable. It looked exactly like Steve Goodberg. And so wow. that's what I think of when I think of Hummel Park. I think of uh, the great American actor, Steve Goodberg from the Three. Police Academy series. 
three men and a baby absolutely man yeah yeah I, the, the police academy movies yeah i those were those were a lot of fun i remember they were uh, they were you got bobcat you know bobcat and then the guy michael winslow that did all the sound effects with his mouth absolutely he was Fuck great yeah. and then part four citizens on patrol the bones brigade from pal peralta skateboarders were was on. that citizens on patrol that was that was four which one when they went to uh miami beach that was five okay thank you yeah i shouldn't know that <laughs> You're a Friday the 13th guy. I guess I'm a police academy guy. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Ask me which one uh, the the uh, ambulance driver was the murderer, and I'll tell you. You know. So. Yeah. I know that answer. That's new chapter, right? Part five? Yes. Hell well, yes. not new chapter. New beginning. New beginning. Thank you. God, Final see, chapter. Yeah. You, you know, I'm not going to get one past you. Uh, I'm going to move on to another <laughs> Omaha rite of passage when i remember hearing my brother tell me about this my brother was five years older than me or he's five years older than me Mm -hmm. and he told me when you become an when you get to high school you're gonna go to this place called the hatchet house oh yeah and i know and the story of the hatch house and please help me phil and jump in any time here is basically that there was a school teacher in the early 20th century i guess Mm mm-hmm who was a sweet teacher, but then she went crazy and killed all the kids in the class and cut out their hearts and buried them under a bridge called Heartbeat Bridge, where if you walked on it or drove your car bit, you were supposed to hear, bum, 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 bum. Did you ever go out there? Many times in high school. And it's, <laughs> <Same here. laughs> but but when you talked about the albino farm in uh, Hummel Park, we, we also thought that, there, or we were told that there was one behind Hatchet House as well. Now, you know, Hatchet House is still standing. They moved it. Yeah, they moved it. They moved it over by the Sump Library in Papillion. But yeah, we used to go out there and you'd have to drive past this very, like out Portal Road, which, you know, that, I mean, that's not too far. Portal Road, of course. That's right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Portal Mm -hmm. Road. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, you know, that's not too far from where John Jubert used to you know, yes. deposit his victim. So, yes. I mean, and, and there's no street lights out there. So you'd kind of leave 108th street. You'd keep yeah. going South, you know, it, it'd be under the cover, you know, a, a, you know, a blanket of stars yeah. or, you know, a full moon. And you drive past this small cemetery that was right by this kind of industrial uh, refrigeration factory, like they made parts or something like that. But, but we didn't know what the factory did at the time, but it was just this, white building with a giant fence and razor wire over the top and smoke coming out or steam coming out of it 24 seven. So you're going down this, this, this deserted road and you pass the cemetery and then you get to this, the portal schoolhouse, this, this schoolhouse that was just like a one room schoolhouse, white had a, had a security light shining on it. So lots of shadows, lots of tall trees, spooky as hell. You'd have to climb the fence. So we would climb the Mm -hmm. fence and run and touch the hatchet house and run back. And then one time, Sarpa County Sheriff stopped us, and we didn't go out there again. <laughs> yeah. Started handing out, hand out MIPs to people. It's like, you know, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I never drank in high school, but yeah. I mean, I I remember driving and and getting pulled over, and like my girlfriend in high school was in the car, and mm-hmm. uh, and my friend and his girlfriend, and so we were just trying to be you know, like tough guys. The girls didn't jump the fence, but us yeah. guys, we did. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah Hatchet it, House, man. Hatchet House, dude. That's a throwback, and I love. I I mean, it was like so exciting to go out there. And tr- like like you described it so perfectly, it really was, you know, and you were obviously, you know, you're a teenager, so you're trying to, act, you know, like a tough guy, like you said, like in front of your friends. But once you kind of got out of the city lights, 
it actually was very unnerving. <laughs> yeah. And it was, and the thing about it was too, like, you know, Westside's like on 87th street, you know, I lived off 90th street. So 108th street. Now the city at that time stretched out to 156th, you know, yeah. maybe a little farther than that. So like 108th street and then you go soup, you know, far South. Now there's housing developments and stuff there now. Yeah. And it's not too far from Warner park where the storm chasers play baseball. But back then, dude, totally farmland. You know, I, I'm not exaggerating about the blanket of stars and the full moon and the wispy clouds and the strange, the strange factory with the smoke pilling out of it all the time and the very small, like Danish cemetery. I mean, it was fucking freaky, dude. Absolutely. <laughs> and it was kind of this thing. And like, for at least like kind of like West Omaha kids where like you were going to go out there, like you, you had to go out there at mm-hmm. least one time. Mm-hmm. You know, it was kind of almost an initiation experience you for, know, sure. for, for us, for us kind of corn-fed Midwest folk. You know, like it was like you were going to go out there, whether you liked it or not, just to say you did. Yeah, I drove my S10 Blazer out there. I'm like 16, Ooh. 17, you know, Hell driving yeah. out there and, you know, telling mom that, oh, yeah, we're, we're going out and we're going to we're going to go to Garden Cafe and have some <laughs> cinnamon. <laughs> Garden Cafe, don't you even... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what we did. But no, we're driving out to fucking look for albino, albino farms and cemeteries. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and where the and the heartbeat bridge. Yeah. You drive over yeah. it at, at the right speed and, the, and the, you'd hear the. Oh, man, I'm scared. I want to go out there now. Let's meet out there right now and finish the podcast out there. All right. That would be incredible. <laughs> uh, next, I have to give a shout out to probably. I would say Nebraska's most famous and documented UFO case. And that would be the 1967 Herbert Shermer hmm. contactee. I guess you could call it an abduction case. Uh, and that happened in Ashland, Nebraska, you know, really about, gosh, it was about 20 miles away from where we grew up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. not too far from, from uh, like two rivers state recreation area. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there's a, there's like a, a gas station out there. Yeah. So set the stage, man. Like he, yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah, he was doing his rounds at 2 a.m. He was working the night shift, and he was, like, a war hero. And he was, like, you know, people loved him in the town. He was, like, in his early 20s. And he was doing the night shift, and every night before he'd go back to the station, he would go to a filling station that was kind of on the outskirts of town and just to make, every, everything sure, make, to make sure everything was on the up and up. Mm-hmm. And as he's coming back around, he notices at the junction of the roads used to be called I don't have someone told me this, and I don't know if it's true. Of the junction of Highway 66 and six, so six six six, and then supposedly they changed the road. I don't have confirmation of that, but I love it. So that's a great gonna, story, though. Include it. It is great, right? <laughs> but at that junction, he he sees what looks like an overturned semi, and so he's like, "Oh, sh- you know, that's not great." And so he right. gets closer, and he realizes it's like a football shaped craft with fire coming out of the bottom and two. <laughs> you know, uh, non-human entities approach him and say, are you the watcher of this town? And then the next thing he knows, he, he, you know, loses like an hour of time, goes back to the station, really traumatized and tells like the, sh- you know, his boss, the sheriff and everyone about it. And it becomes kind of a sensation. And the sad part about it is, is that, you know, this was a very small conservative town and, they demonized this poor guy in such oh, a dramatic yeah. way. They made effigies of his body. I don't know this is this for sure, but supposedly they blew up his civilian car with dynamite. It really ruined his life. So we ended up changing his name and moving away from Nebraska forever. 
but yeah i mean jamie does a great uh lecture about it too i caught her doing one at um metropolitan community college and Mm -hmm. she actually has you know like maps and she'll have uh you know pictures of that 666 interchange or intersection and, and tells the whole story but yeah you know it's so funny like nowadays we're just so um uh we're so quick to uh demonize people that make up the you know paranormal stuff you know yeah and 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 back then you know this guy's telling his truth i mean he's telling it and and by all accounts you know he didn't have any problems beforehand he didn't come back shell-shocked he wasn't an alcoholic or no or or anything like that like anything beloved by the town yeah and up until that night everything was great i mean nobody had anything any reason to suspect anything of him ill or or anything like that and he tells he tells the story this sensational story of what happened to him or what he experienced and everybody's just like fuck this guy yeah (laughs) yeah and they ruined him and and you know i have to tell you this tidbit because i don't know if i've ever told you this but i it it was the first year i was back i'd probably Hmm. been back a few months and ashland uh, uh, i mean it's kind of ironic they decided to do i think probably because of the ufos being in pop culture a little bit more with the 2017 new york times <laughs> article I don't want to get into that but um they decided to do like for their ashland days which is like their summer you know like little carnival celebration they decided yeah. to do a ufo theme and bring herbert Shermer's brothers who one lived in new mexico and the other lived somewhere on the east coast oh back for it they flew him in oh and nobody came to the lecture <laughs> sadly i oh. it was like four of us in there so they kind of cut it short but i took this opportunity to go talk to the brothers for about an hour yeah and one thing they uh, they told me a couple very interesting things one being that he never changed his story he became super religious after this ended up like i think moving to georgia and kind of living out his life there and to the very end he you know stuck to his story and also but was really interesting one of the brothers said when they were really little his they were driving by white sands in new mexico you know kind of a ufo hotspot mm-hmm. and they saw a silver disc like landed in like the desert and the dad was like and he said it was like a very like whoa oh my god that's crazy but that's not in any of the books or literature his brother told me that and I'm like, well, that would have been interesting to know that he was kind of a repeat experiencer. Yeah. So that like was kind singled of singled out or. Yeah. Yeah. It was a fun tidbit to get, you know? So. Uh, well, I didn't know that Ashland uh, tried to like redeem themselves a little bit or, you know, trying to heal that wound. Yeah. That's yeah. good. That's good. It is good. And they, they had a replica. They had the car that he was driving and like, hmm. you know, a bunch of old pictures and they had like a, you know, mock-ups of the original police report i mean it, I, w- I was having a ball you know no one else cared at all but <laughs> yeah did you uh did you see that thing that uh tenny put on facebook or not no it was on twitter not too long ago uh it, it was like 100 would attend this lecture and it was about a ufo it was like a drawing and it said that the lecture was in lincoln nebraska or where was Ooh. it at? was it in hastings Oh, I don't wow. know, but it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. You'll have to look, like, go through his feed. It was just uh, like a week or so ago. Oh, yeah. my God. But, yeah, we got, you know, we don't, we're not as crazy as Michigan, but uh, Nebraska's no. got some stuff for sure. No, Nebraska does have some stuff. It does. It does. I, I have to bring that case up because I am, like, definitely obsessed with it. And to me, it was like, I remember reading about that as a kid going, oh, my God, mm-hmm. that happened, t- like, 22 minutes from where I'm sitting right now. And for me, that just, like, I obsessively thought about that case and i remember unsolved mysteries did a story on oh like, no right way. oh yeah that's crazy. right yeah you know we got 
of course we have our hauntings, ghosts. We have um, that wonderful UFO story, all kinds of actually sightings and things like that. And then people think, well, you're not in the Pacific Northwest. You're not in the in the swamps of the bayou. You're not going to see Bigfoot. Right. But no, like if you go and sit in Harriet's Museum, the Nebraska Bigfoot Museum, yeah. uh, Crossroads of Nebraska, no, Crossroads of America Bigfoot Museum in Hastings, Nebraska, Harriet will sit you down and she'll pull out a map of Nebraska. And I love this part. And she'll trace like the sightings and how it follows waterways. And it's yeah. like so eye-opening and she's so passionate about it. And she I love it. really is. I love it. Just because people have this perception like flat land or there's no trees. Or, no, no, we have dense forests. We have waterways that these things can exist in or be sighted right. in. And, and, you know, it's, it's you know, yeah. I love it. I, love I do it. too. And like, you know, while, while you wouldn't think of Nebraska as a place where Bigfoot would ever be. I think if you think about it in a flesh and blood kind of nuts and bolts way, well, yeah, mm-hmm. sure. I guess that kind of makes sense. But who's to say Bigfoot's not a weirdo, man, that he <laughs> or she, uh, you know, like it, it's, or you she. know, we don't know. We don't know what it is or what it represents. So, oh, but yeah. The, I mean, like, you know, if you look in the BFRO, which is like, you know, the Bigfoot uh, Research Organization, I think it's, that's what it stands for. Yeah. They're very similar to like a MUFON where they're not going to have any kind of woo or like a weird paranormal stuff in there. It's, it's really about the furthering the scientific study. And while I think that's great, I think they leave out so many. I mean, if you look on that, you would think, oh, there's like eight Bigfoot sightings in Nebraska mm-hmm. in, in history. But that is so false. <laughs> you know? Right. I'm not saying and it, all these could be faked or hoax. I'm just saying the reports are many. You know? like, yeah, for sure. It's it's just, you know, it's a concentration. It's just this kind of sighting. It's just yeah. this kind of experience. It's yes. not a wide ranging. You're not going to solve any kind of mystery with having just like a narrow slice of that pie for sure. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. That's exactly right. A nice, tasty village in pie. Oh God, village in. I don't know if you guys have village in in other states, but in, oh. is that a, was that a national thing? It is. It is. It is. It is. Oh. Yeah, but I don't know how big it is now. But uh, I think there's one or two left in Omaha. But I we're just had to, to say that we, we were talking about food earlier, and I was just like, man, we gotta hit. I gotta have a slice of can pie. We please meet at Village Inn from now on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be great. The name. I of, think I, that's where we belong. I, it's you know we don't have a Denny's here, so like oh. Village Inn and Perkins are the closest thing to like a Denny's. But like we'd sit there, there was a Perkins on 72nd ish or 69th and Dodge. Did you mm-hmm. ever go to that one? Oh yeah, before, before they tore it down. Mm-hmm. We'd sit there and drink coffee and talk about punk rock and rock and roll, and we talk about anything that was on Art Bell and horror yeah. movies, and like it was like just a great uh, conversation spot. And so of course you'd have a lovely slice of of pie. You know, oh. before we started going to the bars, that was yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll take a French silk and coffee black. Thank you very much. And keep keep it hot and coming. Come on. <laughs> keep it hot and coming, sister. <laughs> oh man, that sounds great. I can't wait to go there with you. Um, yes, I have to mention a place, and hmm. I am almost positive you know about it. It's called Ball Cemetery in Springfield, Nebraska, which is not. I don't know, Brian. How far away is that from Omaha? Thirty minutes. Uh, yeah, if that. It's down um just south in Springfield, Springfield yeah. area. Yeah, I've never been in it. Never... I have, I went in it one time, but Oh, did you get shot? Shot at? I never got the salt rock shot. Yeah, supposedly there was a farmer who come out and shoot. Do, well, you know what do you mind explaining to the listeners what Yeah, it's just is? a it's just a, you know, a community old-time cemetery that's on kind of private land and uh, if you go there with your recorders and your flashing lights and your apps and your cameras and shit, you're going to get the caretaker taking care of you. you yeah. 
That's true. Yeah, and the sheriff like doesn't care. Like the sheriff doesn't care that he takes care of the property. Is what I'm trying to say. Like just yeah. stay out. Just stay yeah. out. You know, he's yeah. not going to give you permission. You can't write to him and and say, please, can we come out? No, it's it's a cemetery. Respect the dead, but it's rumored to be haunted. As all get out. You know, like it's actually you know it's. I didn't realize until sort of recently that it actually is kind of a nationally known haunted cemetery. Like it's probably in a lot of, in like the paranormal world, maybe mm-hmm. one of our most famous sites, if not the most famous, like yeah. unsolved mysteries, the podcast did a really good episode on it. They did a great episode. Like the, like the, when they first started making episodes, I think yeah. it was like the first or second episode, it was. wasn't it? It was, yeah. it was fantastic. And that's, what's so funny. Like I've read about it, read about it, heard about it, never been in it. Yeah. Never been in it. I, you know, I value my. Yeah. We got my, in there once, but it, it was dark. We did not. We were like, you know, lighting things with lighters to try to see. But uh, I had a group of friends. So who it was like the guys uh, the year older than me. And they said that they went out there and they saw a bunch of witches around a bonfire. Like, <laughs> of course, I'm sure, you know, this is not true. But like, I remember like being uh, super scared. You know, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Because it's right down the street from the albino farm, right? Of course. <laughs> but I, these urban legends are so fun for me. And it's so, like, you know, before the internet, you could just tell what make up a completely outrageous story about a place. And it would trickle around, or it wouldn't even trickle. It would flow around Omaha like a waterfall. Yeah. And a week yeah. later, everyone's like, wow, this is the truth, I guess. <laughs> and And we were talking about other high schools earlier before you started rolling tape. But, like... Well, I heard, you know, like it, it would go from high school to high school and, you know, yep. and it, and, and it would cycle like through this because of older siblings and uncles and, aunt, you know, like things, how, how stories kind of mutate and change and pass down from like, you know, generation to generation as the kids go through the school. But it's like, well, I heard these kids from Burke went out yeah. to the hatchet house and their car stopped. And then the, you know, the, the, the ghost of the, the whatever, you know, Oh, yeah. Well, I heard that these kids from Duchenne went out there and then they died. And then I heard, I, you know, these kids that went to Northwest High School went to the Black Angel. And, you know, yes. it's like. <laughs> it's great, though. It's good yeah. fun. I, I need to start spreading more rumors around town. <laughs> There's I got. Do you know my friend Doug Kaborik? Uh-uh. Okay. You got to meet Doug. He he comes to the Historic Hunt and Heartland um uh, event. He was also one of the co-hosts of Necronomicast for for a few years with me. Um, Doug, oh man, I got to get this straight. He he made a fake flyer for a fake haunted house or something, and he made like 500 copies. I got to get the story from him. I don't want to butcher it, but he made like 500 copies of this fake flyer and he distributed them, like threw them into a parking lot of a high school just to see if all these kids would go to this this weird hunt, like a real, real attraction, real haunted house kind of a thing. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Total, total like prank. Uh, but that's how things like kind of, I've yeah. got his flyer. I have to, I have to dig it out. I have to, he gave did me a work? copy of it. Yeah. According to him, it did like, God, that's awesome. You know, like these kids finding like, what, what's this? You know, and it's Doug, you know, he's just Doug's fucking around. <laughs> it was great. Well, when you're in high school, it's the time to be a trickster, you know, yeah. that, that's a good archetype to take on. I think. Yeah, nobody got hurt or anything like that. No. Or it was some, or an extreme haunted house. Gosh, I got to remember the story. He told me, and I was probably drinking beer at the time, so I probably don't. An remember extreme it. haunted house, <laughs> like thirteen levels of terror, or yeah. something like that. Oh, yeah, all thirteen are really bad too. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, the next, so you know, basically, folks, if if uh, you know, we're now we're gonna take you on a little carriage ride over into Odo County. 
and Odo County is hugs right along the Missouri River. And for me, it's been a real kind of focus of research historically. Hmm. And, um, you know, the great thing is, and so in the the 1800s, there were reports of giant black cats, uh, seven foot tall wild man, and then it goes on and on. But before we get to that, that kind of uh, Minersville, which is a, a, a ghost town now. I want to talk about Seven Sisters Road because it's literally an eighth of a mile away from uh, Minersville. But Seven Sisters Road, you know about Seven Sisters Road, right? Outside of oh, Nebraska sure. City? Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, Seven Sisters Road. Tell like, us the story, Papa. Well, one story, I mean, it, it kind of is, it's got different kind of virgin, mm-hmm. versions, not virgins, but versions. And it, it all centers around the Seven Sisters. Uh, long story short, they, one of them or some of them like did things that displeased their father. And mm-hmm. so the father ended up, you know, horrifically killing them and, or they were got hung by the yeah. road. And if you go there at night and, you know, it's one of those, one yeah. of those stories now, you know, uh, people that go to libraries and check family trees and property records, they really can't find a family that had seven daughters and they all died by the hand yeah. of their dad. You know, it's like one of those. I've stories. looked too. It doesn't exist. Yeah. I can't but, find any, but if you want to talk about maybe things could be manifested or conjured thought forms, egregores, tulpas, that kind of, if you want to go down that road, you never know like all this negative energy or intent and people see things mm-hmm. and they talk about things and mm-hmm. you never know. I mean, it's, it's got a weird vibe to the place for sure. You know, uh, it does. And the guy and his wife who own it now, hmm. I've tried to reach out to them. Uh, the, the historian of Odo County has been great to work with her. Oh, her, cool. Yeah, She's, Oh my gosh. You know her. Uh, her name is uh, Tammy. Oh, she's a Tammy. Tammy. You, no, you and I talked about her. I swear to God, I thought you you knew her. Tammy. Uh, now I can't remember her last name. Is it the one that helps with the Nebraska Bigfoot Conference? That no, that's, not that. That's, Tam- that's, that's Tamara. Tamara is wonderful too. I love her. But uh, anyway, maybe maybe I'm misremembering that. Anyways, Tammy, who is the historian of, for Nebraska City and kind of the greater Odo County area, uh. You know, have told me a lot of what people report around there, and like also, what? well, okay. So the, <laughs> first off, the guy, the the guy and his wife who own it, they first off, I try to get in contact with them, but the guy is actually in jail right now, so I didn't want to contact the wife because I'm like, I don't know if I want to. Well, it mess. should be real easy to find him. Yeah, exactly. Right. I just kind of left it alone. So I'm like, I don't know if yeah, I want to. That's probably best. Someone who's in jail. He'll, he'll want to borrow money soon. Yeah, I thought maybe he'd ask me to bail him out or something instead of a carton of cigs. But he, and obviously he's not maybe the greatest um, person to believe, but he said he had a dog man encounter there. Hmm. When okay. he was bow hunting on his own property. Okay. Going back to the 1960s, there were Bigfoot reports. Hmm. And two, two of the reports, people were hurt and like touched by the Bigfoot. Uh-huh. And this is right on Seven Sisters Road. One time, kids were down because it used to be kind of a um, lover's lane for high school kids back in the day, you know? And one, there's a great report where a Bigfoot supposedly grabbed uh this teenage boy out of the car and threw him in the ditch and then they went to the the police station right after and the kid was all messed up like scratched and like all jacked up and then there's just other bigfoot reports i mean they 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 actually didn't say the word bigfoot but this described a like six foot tall hairy creature with like glowing green eyes and sounds like Bigfoot to me. Sounds like Bigfoot to me. And the thing is, if you go, so if you if you go a 
quarter of a mile towards the Missouri River. That is the little ghost town of Minersville. Yeah, now, and, now I really didn't have much uh, experience or or like know much about Minersville until you started telling me about it at lunch. Well, yes, because the great researcher Ray Boucher, who's probably the most uh, well-known ufologist in the state of Nebraska, and he he was the head of that Fordian Society in Lincoln we were talking about, mm-hmm. and he grew up in that area, and so he has been collecting cases and stories from the Myersville area. That was a huge focus. Like when I I talked to him when I first came back to Nebraska, I was like, "If you were me, you know, and you went to do some like." Boots in the Grand Research, where'd you go? He's like, I'll tell you one place. Go to Myersville and make that your area of research. And I was like, okay. But he told me all these amazing... They're Going back to the 1800s, his like grandfather was from the area, and they mm. called him like, oh, you know, the, the booger man of the wild. Mm. But people were reporting <clears throat> Bigfoot sightings all the time. And Ray told me that the mayor then, it wasn't even called Nebraska City. It was, I think it was called Odo City back then. Okay. He actually hired men with shotguns and torches to go find this wild man. Wow. Yeah, right? And he showed me actually like old clippings from this. I'm like, what? And also uh, there was like giant black cats stalking a schoolhouse. Oh, I love that. Is right? Ray Boucher still with us? He is. He's he's ill. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm dying to have him on the show, but I just kind of, you know, so like whenever you're feeling up for it. Um, but I have, we've had a couple of Zoom calls because he, he's been really great he sent me so many like old clippings that he's uploaded and stuff like that so right now he's kind of the guy who's got i feel probably the most information in the most like you know research of this state yeah so he's, I, he's, a, he's a really great resource if you ever if you're down with it if if you ever get a chance to like to to meet him or whatever i would just like to just just say hi i mean just like absolutely you know, yeah i would just... love to have you come i mean like you know he, he's He's a super sweet guy, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, like, but anyways, he really hit me to the Myersville area and just, you know, it kind of is that place where it has a little, there was a flying wing humanoid cases. There are lights over the Missouri river. And like, I guess barges used to travel down the Missouri river, you know, carrying, cause it was like a, for a long time, it was like a waterway where they were like doing importing and exporting along the Missouri river. Mm-hmm. And I guess these lights were always like following the barges and the sixties, like people would go on the top of Nebraska City and wash the lights over the Missouri River. And it just yeah. kind of became a normal thing. Boy, that's that's so weird that you mentioned that too because there's, a, you know, my son was on a baseball team uh, for, for a few years. He's in high school now. It was like, on a, like a competitive baseball team. So we spent a lot of time with the families that were on these um, on these teams. And there was a family from Council Bluffs and uh, he knew I was kind of through, just through Facebook and my posts and stuff. He's like, so you believe in all that stuff, huh? And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and I think, I think it's really cool. And I, I don't know how much I quote unquote believe, but yeah. I, mean, I, lo- I love the stories. You, you know, I want to hear, I want to hear as much as I can and people's experiences. And he would tell me about how like an older brother would give him and his friend beer and they would go out and drink it where, where they wouldn't get found, which was over by the Missouri river on the Iowa side. And at night they would hear weird howlings, weird grunts and groans, yeah. tree knocks, lights in the sky. And I'm like, yep. oh shit, you just told me 10 minutes ago before you started drinking beer that you didn't believe in any of this stuff at all. And yeah. I was crazy. And now you're telling me that you have these high strangeness encounters, lights in the sky, Bigfoot, Sasquatch. Uh, next thing you're going to tell me is little green men or, or you know, <laughs> or, the, <laughs> or the ghost of some riverboat captain. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just amazing like how you can make these connections. And at all it starts is like, well, you know, yeah. There's this, that's how like all these great connections start. That it really is. It really is. And, and one great thing that Ray told me that uh, when he was a very precocious kid and he was actually one of the first people to interview Herbert Shermer, 
He was mm. like 15 years old. Okay. And he was, you know, at the same time, he was, as a teenager, collecting all these stories from the Odo County area. And he had this, uh, like, he would write back and forth with John Keel. Mm. And I think wow. John Keel was impressed by him because he was like a 15-year-old kid who's doing all this, like, legwork. And John, and John was literally writing to him from Point Pleasant saying like well i've kind of come up with this new term for places like that and it's called a window area and i think you have one wow <laughs> he said that to ray and then one more thing i'll say about it is that if you kind of like have been to point pleasant well it it's right along the you know a big river mm-hmm. well, just just like Minersville. there's a huge nuclear power plant right All there right. Right, just, just like Point Pleasant, so it's like it actually kind of lines up in a weird way, you know, like geographically speaking. So that is an area I love. I the spring when the weather is nice, I would love because the Steamboat Trace Trail is a twenty-two mm-hmm. mile trail all the way to Brownsville, absolutely drop dead gorgeous. Yeah, but there's all this sandstone art that river rats used to fucking fucking carve into in the sixties. Nice. Dude, we will have a great time out there. John and I did it one morning, like, you know, a couple of years ago and we mm-hmm. had a ball. Um, but it's it's really fun and you know, the stories from this area are just wild as it gets. You know, like I, I just gotta say this, like this area is so lucky to have people like Jamie uh that I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. And she's you, coming on my show soon, which is great. Exciting. Fantastic. Uh, but so great to have people like her and then also you because you have such a passion. Both of you have such a passion for this stuff. And also like you guys are both really like great ambassadors to Uh go out and especially like people that are older or infirmed or sick and they've been working on this stuff all their life. And as they're, you know, as they're getting on in age and they've got all this research and they don't know if anybody even gives a shit or cares or, but you're there with like this kind voice and this, in this kind ear and you're taking all these stories and then you're sharing them with now the world through high strangeness, the podcast, and just kind of like bringing light and like validating all this great work that like, like, you know, but seriously though, man, like who else would, who else would hear about this? And you're so like kind. And so like, I think I, we talked about this on my show when you were a guest, like you and I went to lunch at Hector's and you were wearing a hat with a UFO kind of insignia. Yeah. And the, and the, the hostess that was going to seat us for lunch remarked about your hat and like literally 45 seconds after we walked in the door of this restaurant, people are sharing with you and with me, mostly with you, they're sharing a UFO story. Yeah. Isn't that great? It was so great. I was, I was loving it. You and I were just like, Ooh, (laughs) this is great. (laughs) And there's something about your nature and Jamie too, but they're like, there's just something about like this, this, uh. It, it's uh, you're, you're just disarming with your wit that you can just let oh, people, thanks. you know, approach you and, and talk all this crazy shit and you listen and then you fire it right back with, you know, like, well, that's great. Now, what about this? And, yeah. and the way the way that we're, we're lucky in this part of the country to have you, Steve, and hmm. to gather these stories and connect. That's why I wanted to connect with this old guy that you're talking about in my yeah. town. Like like we it's up to us and yeah. even younger people to you know to talk to these people that have done the heavy work and and actually have gone and clipped newspapers you yeah know? you know what i mean yeah yeah because i'm you know i'm sure you realize that well thank you thank you that's the highest compliment for coming from you uh, no, i mean you can cut that out of the show you can cut- <laughs> no i'm leaving it in i want people to know i'm cool <laughs> right right <laughs> no truly please like me um but I do have this kind of thing that keeps me up at night where after Scott Colburn died and mm. uh, yeah. his partner in his radio show, you know, 
emailed me back because I was asking, like, oh, you know, I'm so sorry to hear about this. Are you going to keep on doing the show? Blah, blah, blah. He told me that, like, the most tragic part is all Scott's files were left at the end of his driveway. It went to a, a garbage truck. And I mean, like, and I was like, he had a lot, didn't he? He's like, oh, Steve, he had stuff going back 100 years. And I, it yeah. just, like, it made me cry. And, like, and since then, I'm like, I'm determined to get this stuff into a local college. I, I reached out to uh, University of Nebraska, Lincoln, and Omaha. And they were both very, they seemed very receptive to the idea of collecting this stuff. And I kind of framed it just as like, well, this is the folklore and mythology of this state. I feel like it's, you know, part of the culture and the history. And so I feel like, you know, I can't preserve it on my own. So will you take it? And they were like, well, if you get the, if you actually get this stuff, like, let us know. So Mm -hmm. hopefully that can work out down the road and maybe I'll ask your help with it. So, yeah. You know, I like with my historic haunted heartland, uh, series of live events, I dedicate each one to somebody that's like done something along these lines, kind yeah. of, you know, like the very first one I dedicated to, um, Howard Hamilton and Howard Hamilton was a long time. Oh my gosh. He, you know, uh, long time researcher, historian, uh, real champion of Omaha, like wrote a mm-hmm. book about Omaha, weird facts about Omaha. And I got it over here. I got an autographed copy of it. And it's like printed out and the cover was done like with print shop. Remember that? Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like this real old school self-published book, I love but it. like, I love his book, but he like read every Nebraska, uh, newspaper cover to cover from the 1800s like wow. and he would he he did these cemetery tours and he would talk about each you know, like all these remarkable people in the cemetery and he would like he would read the obituaries and he would learn people's stories and who the doctors were in town because they gave birth or they they helped uh deliver babies of you know i'm like just weird connections and stuff like that and and i just really admired him and he dedicated or donated all of his stuff to, I think some, uh, to the Sarpy County libraries and to the, um, uh, what's the Western heritage museum. Like they have, they must have just dozens of like file cabinets. I don't know if they kept all the stuff or, or what, but he made a big deal about it. Yeah. Howard Hamilton, like, like, you know, like you, uh, you come to Omaha and there's off at air force base. Well, he yeah. would on his cemetery tour. Well, here's, Here's Air, here's Airman Offit's grave, and he would talk about Offit, you know, and then like you, you, the the Omaha Henry Dorley Zoo. Well, here's Henry Dorley, you know, here's his wow. grave. Like you, you take these, you know, you grow up here, and 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 it's just like every other town, buildings are named after people, and after a while, you just know it. it's the Swanson Library. Yeah, well, who was Swanson? Yeah, you know, and like <laughs> you know, like you just kind of don't, you know, the you hear the name and you 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 associate it with the library, but not who came and donated the money or right. was important to the community. Well, you know, just these stories uh, and everybody listening has got their community stories and who is preserving your stories in your community. Who's doing that yeah. for you? you yeah. Know? God, that's a good point. And it's really important. And I feel like, <clears throat> look, and the thing is like you and I may do like some seriously hard work on preserving this stuff and get it into a college and nine people may look at it. <laughs> you know, like, And that's okay. Because I feel like, you know, like, I've been like telling you, I've been kind of working on this book, sort of like trying to document, uh, you know, weirdness in Nebraska. Yeah. I am under no illusions that the, my readership will be about six or seven. <laughs> it's just not, I don't think there's a huge interest level, but I just want it in a place for future generations. So when there's a weird kid like who, who's like you and I, you know, when he's 13 years old, wishing he had, you know, a book about Nebraska weird history, you know, 
he or she will be able to have it. So, you know, uh, not switching gears, but I read a book. Um, uh, Rick Rubin, the music producer. Sure. He wrote a book, uh, the 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 creative act, and it's all about. And, and we can make a connection with it here. He the book is about you know like be, finding your voice, finding what motivates you as an artist. And as soon as you start thinking about like the commerce part of it, or making the art for somebody else rather than um, your own inner vision. Uh, something gets lost, yeah. you know? So I applaud you. Like you take these stories and take your book and and you made a joke, like nine people will read it. Well, more than nine people are going to read it. You know what I'm right. saying? But yeah. like make, make the art, make the, make the, the creative endeavor that you want and make it to your vision, make it exactly how you want it. And it'll find its voice. You know, you don't, right. don't, don't, um, you know, just be motivated with what you want to do and, and how you want to put it out. And it's going to be gold, man, for sure. That's great. That is a, that's, that's all around great advice for any creative endeavor in life. I, I think. do that with my podcast. People say, well, your intros are too long or you don't get on TikTok enough or you don't do this. And, you know, I get some of those emails, but it's like, but when I hit publish, that's the best I could do. Yeah. That episode that I just put out on February 14th, or 15th, like I just can't had one come out today. That's the best I could do with that one. And yeah. I worked hard on it. And it's, I asked the questions and I shaped the conversation the best I could. And I'm proud of it. And there it is. You do I, an amazing job because you, you, I want one comment I want to give you is like many comments. I love your show. You're such a great host. You have a beautiful voice, but you <laughs> do your homework. You read so much. Your questions are wonderful because I can tell, like, I try my best too, but I, I mm-hmm. try to do, you know, I think it's so important to, do a ton of research when you're you're lucky enough to get a great guest on like yourself oh so, you know like yeah like i would feel like you know and not toot my own horn but in the last year i had like i had a uh, florence d Changer, i hope i pronounced it right but she is a foreign journalist that works for le monde and we talked about the disappearance of flight mh370 over oh. malaysia so of course i read her book because yeah. i'm not going to have the lady that did tons and, and you know thousands of hours of research to put this book together, I have to at the very least read her book. That's it. <laughs> you know that's I mean? that's you it's know. not a big ask. You know, uh, you so, know, yeah. you know. And then I had uh, Deborah uh, Blum who wrote a, an incredible book. She's uh, called Ghost Hunters, all about the rise of the the um, the Society for Psychical Research, and all these great scholars that came out of Cambridge University that were that were pioneers about all this psychical research and 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 everything, and. She's won a Pulitzer Prize wow. and I'm just this dude in Omaha. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, I, you know, if, if you're getting these, these guests or you reach out to people, you know, like you gotta put in the time. Oh, man. you have to, you have to, well, you do. And it shows. And so my, my, my hat's off to you, my friend, Steven. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I love you too, baby. And Let I'm so me... proud of your show. Like, man, like Thank I remember you. at the, I, I remember at the Bigfoot conference last year, it, in typical Steve Berg fashion, you were like, hey, I got, you know, you had like six or seven episodes already recorded and you're right. getting ready to put on, but you're like, uh, I'm having trouble figuring out Apple podcasts or what you know. <laughs> yeah, <Nope>. I was, <laughs> you know, and I was just like, there was just that, that jolliness and that, that side of you that was like, well, I got this podcast coming out. And so as soon as this episode started coming out, I'm like, oh yeah, man, this is great. And, and how you relate to people and you get more than just, you know, you're not just sitting there writing out. 10 questions and then you move on to the next question. Like you're having a conversation with people and like, you know, like your Stephanie quick episode was great. Oh, I love Stephanie. She's a gem. 
Yeah, just all your episodes. You know, like all these Thanks, people man. that I see online and that I only know them from 140 characters of Twitter. Uh-huh. Like you, like now I'm like, you know, I'm engaged with them and I listen yeah. to what they have to say now because I, I know more about them thanks to you and your show. Oh, dude. Well, thank you. I mean, like I, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I've been lucky so far. I mean, people just keep on saying yes. So uh, as long as they say yes, I'll have them on. <laughs> yeah. And like, like you had Bryce Johnson on and I've heard his yeah. show, Bigfoot uh, Collectors Club, a million, you know, I've heard tons of their episodes, mm-hmm. but it's like, I listen to him talking to you and I like, I get more of an understanding of what he's about and who he is just yeah. from the, from how you get conversations out of people, you know, yeah, how, what you, what you draw out of them. Thank you. Well, he's easy. He's a beautiful human being. I, I've, I also try, I feel like I've done a pretty good job of having good people on because at the end of the day it's like i don't care how much you know or your stories i only want to talk to sweetie pies you know like yeah <laughs> life's too yeah. short man <laughs> life is too short people are like i get things all the time like oh you should have this person come to omaha for your live show and it's like dude if i don't trust them or if i don't yeah you know, like 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 Hell no. like it was a big get to get cindy Kaza, yeah you know to come in and like my wife and i went to a um strange escapes that's hosted by amy bruni and um Adam Barry and, and, and kind of those being the new Kirks are on that, mm-hmm. uh, that, that, um, tour, the, the, those things. And that's where I met, uh, John Tenney in person for the first time. He had mm-hmm. been a guest on my show, but I finally made like an in-person connection. And, uh, so Cindy was there and it was pouring rain and where people were hanging out in between lectures on this patio. And she was talking to people and my wife were kind of just sitting there talking to each other. And when the people that Cindy was talking to got up and left, she just came over, sat down, started talking to us. Wow. And it was like so genuine and not forced. And she was just like, well, Hey, where are you guys from? You know? And we just had a great conversation. And then I kind of was following her career. And so that's, you know, I invited her to Omaha and you know, we didn't sign a contract. Yeah. She came just out of like, um, like trust or whatever. Yeah. You know, like she, she told me what, you know, what her needs were to make an appearance and everything. And of course I met those, you know, those, um, those, uh, those requirements, but like, the the trust and surrounding yourself with good people and and you know just it it, it it's just uh it's been just such a joy you know yeah. uh, doing that kind of a thing so yeah oh, sure oh man that's good stuff it's good stuff we're lucky guys we're lucky guys uh, we're living we're living the Nebraska dream. we're living <laughs> that heartland dream baby Mm-mm. um so before you know like look I, I we we have to talk about, a little bit about true crime okay okay. So I want to bring up a case that you and I are roughly the same age. And in the 80s, we had a serial killer. I guess I would. Oh, yeah. And it it absolutely shook this whole community up in such a dramatic way where he was taking kids our exact age and Mm -hmm. doing horrible things with them. And his name was John Juber. And he is. They have, you know, they executed him. But. Let's talk about that really quick because did you, do you how much do you remember about that? Like was that was that like in 1983, 84? Yeah, I was exi- little. I was a little kid. I remember that. Yeah, because I'm a couple years older than you. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So I would have been nine uh, when that. I was born in '74, so I was nine when all that was going down. Excuse me for a second. I'm drinking yeah. a pop. Hold on. No problem. He's having a cough. He's having. He had. Yeah, he has a fizzy cough. It's a, he's wearing a drastic plastic shirt too which is one of the great record stories of omaha yeah thank Once. you i had i had to let that out or as phil henry it. would say mm, excuse me i had quiznos for lunch now <laughs> so yeah okay so i had mark pettit on my show 
and he wrote a book called A Need to Kill. And it was all about the John Jubert case. But personally for me, like I remember, you know, being nine and Omaha, it's not a big town now. I mean, it's a, it's a good size city, but yeah. You know, if you go back to 1983, even smaller. Yeah. And the fact that somebody was snatching paper boys. Yeah. Off the street. Yep. While they were doing their route. Yeah. They were missing for days. And then they were found out, like we talked about the hatchet house out there, Portal Road out there in the Papillion area. You know, hunters going out there or whoever found them, um, finding, you know, tortured, murdered teenagers. It had a profound effect on me uh, as a kid and all my friends, too. I remember, you know, uh, I was nine at the time. There was kids in my neighborhood. I remember my friend Mike. And uh, another kid, Brian, who were paper boys in my neighborhood. And, you know, their dads, when that started happening, their dads would go out with them. Yeah. You know, and like their their dad's jobs were like, okay, you you come in when, you, when your son's route is done. Like the, the community, you know, uh, uh, got together and, you know, looked yeah. out, you know, for each other. And, and just, you know, that's when like, I think you and I talked about on my show. Like, do you remember the Identic Kid? things that came out no. like like there were kits that came to your elementary school and, and they were like somebody sponsored them but they were like here's you know you, you put your recent school photo on there and then you can fingerprint your kids just in case Jeez. they were you know like identic kid was a big thing then too Whoa. and just yeah jubert you know and he was a boy scout leader you know yeah. an assistant to a troop and he worked and for he was, at air force base he was an airman you know he transferred in from from the portland uh, uh from oregon area yeah and came here and so he wasn't much that much older than his i think he was 22 23 when he was arrested and he mm-hmm. did unspeakable things to these boys but yeah in the dead of winter in the in, you know like the early morning paper route he would snatch yeah. these boys up and he killed one in in um in Oregon too before he got transferred here they were able yeah. to match up the bite wounds on the Omaha victims oh god yeah i mean this was a ghastly terrible horrible story yeah. and it 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 really you know when you're in elementary school and you're looking for, you know, I, if you go back and you look at the mugshot, or not the mugshot, but the composite sketch that the forensic artist put together from eyewitness accounts that said this guy was creepy or whatever. Dude, it was just a guy in a black stocking cap. Yeah. You know, like, and it was wintertime. So like everybody yeah. was wearing a black stocking. It's like OJ Simpson. Who's this wearing a hat? Yeah. Or Johnny Cochran. You know, it's, oh, it's just OJ You know, everybody was wearing a, a stocking cap at the time. Right. So like you were looking over your shoulder. You didn't want to be left alone. My my, we'd go to Target when I was a kid, and my mom would let me go to the toy aisle, you know, by myself while she, mm-hmm. you know, did some other shopping. Not anymore. No. Not after. Not when these kids are getting, you know, pulled off the streets. It was, it was such a, I hate to use the word formative, but it was such a defining moment, kind of in our, in especially in my my childhood at being nine, yeah. and these 12, 13 year old boys getting snatched off the street and found, you know, uh, tortured in a in a, a desolate snowy cornfield my god dude it was it was awful and then it was awful when i did that episode i went out and like traced his steps i drove past you know like their houses uh, mm-hmm. to get a feel of it and i drove past the school and their route and then i went to the church because he he harassed some lady and he was trying to break into this aldersgate church that's in papillion and i went to the parking lot where he ran between there and the parish house you know like the the rectory or wherever the the priests live or the ministers for that denomination you know i was like jesus man this isn't a very big building this is a small parking lot and all this was going down and he flashed a gun and just all this shit and you know i mean 
it, you know, people our age around here yeah. that, you know, it, it was a scary fucking time for it, sure. It was like a loss of innocence in a way, because I yeah. remember like being a very carefree kid, able to like ride my bike anywhere. And then <clears throat> when that was going on, my mom, if I went to go play with a neighbor friend, she mm-hmm. would hold my hand, grip it so tight. And I remember this, I could feel my mom just like being uneasy walking yeah. me like a block to go play with my friend and then when it was the time for me to come home my mom would walk to the front door grab my hand tight and walk me back you know like yeah. it was like it really like changed uh it i think it changed omaha forever yeah like, when you have yeah yeah like man i could i could close my eyes and i pictured those two uh those because they it was on tv every night have you seen this kid have yeah. you seen this kid danny yep. joe everly and christopher walden and they used their school photos, yep. you know, from that year. And then, you know, like you go to your house, my school photo was on the refrigerator. Yep. You know, so like it just really hit home, man. I grew it up did. that made us grow mm-hmm. up in a weird way, a little too fast. You know, yeah, sure. it did. It did. It was, it was a loss of innocence in a way, for sure. Now, you know, um, one of my favorite, probably my absolute favorite Omaha musician of all time is a, uh, buddy of mine named tim casher of the band cursive and the good life and a wonderful tim casher solo career he in his latest album and i don't know if you've heard this he wrote a song that is super moving and it kind of encapsulates just what we were talking about about john jubert yeah on his, on his solo record i he haven't i haven't good. heard that one is it is it like what on a solo release or it's on a- his latest solo release and it's called the john jubert and it's a, an amazing story like it, it's uh it's a moving song and it'll it'll get you if you experience this so i would recommend that one to you i'll check it out for sure yeah Um, that's uh you know not to bring everybody down that was listening to your show but we're talking about two guys and we're talking about nebraska stories and high strangeness and things that were important to us and that uh you know it's you know we're reflecting back on these things you know because it's part of our makeup man it is it is when you're looking for the boogeyman seriously the real boogeyman at nine years old i mean it's you know i'm 49 now yeah i'm 49 and i can picture you know the 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 composites like i told you the uh, the forensic drawing yeah the mugshot i can picture jubert's um in my mind i can picture his uh arrest photo and how how that all that shit went down and you know it's awful it's crazy it's absolutely insane yeah it was um and i'm almost like uh (laughs) reluctant in a way to bring up this next case because it's actually like one of the most horrifying things we do not i do not not need we do not need to talk about the details but i just want to talk about like i think it's an interesting case for a lot of reasons but the rule of nebraska yeah yahweh was it the yahweh cult was that the name so it was yeah so i'm gonna give kind of a quick thumbnail and please jump in but like in the early 80s uh there was this guy who was you know, he was part of a, what do you call it, like Posse Comatos or something like that, which was like a militia organization. And this mm-hmm. kind of like in the early days of militias and all this anti-government sentiment starting. Anyways, he had kind of started this doomsday cult slash, you know, anti-government militia in a place called Rula, Nebraska, which is, uh, it's really almost feels like it's in Missouri, you know, like it's, it's in Nebraska, but like you're driving to Missouri, all of a sudden you're in Rulo and then you're out of Rulo. It's, it's, it's liminal and weird in its own way, just the way it's like set up. And we're and and like Kansas City is our sister city in a lot of ways. And yeah. every time you drive to Kansas City, you drive past the the, the turnoff. Exactly right. And you, you see the big green sign with the white letters "Rulo" all the I time. I know. And my brother yeah. and I would be like, "Dad, tell us about you know like what happened there." But anyway, he started this cult 
and it got kind of big. They had like this organized crime thing where they were stealing like farming equipment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the guy's name was Michael Ryan. Michael Ryan. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. And, and do you want to make, I'm going to hand the ball off to you there. Well, yeah. I we, mean, we don't have to, I don't think we should go into the specifics because it's so grisly, but like. Yeah, it's 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 a sore, terrible tale. Uh, like yeah, the worst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like you can Google it, but don't. Yeah. But, you know, like, yeah. but it's one of those things that it's, I've had like four big crime um, uh, episodes that kind of chronicleize uh, Nebraska kind of stories. And I'm debating whether or not to, you know, I'm trying to yeah. think about how to do something about Rulo, but I know dude, it's, it's, if you think matching uh, forensic bite marks on teenage boys is bad and that's, I mean, it is, but it I mean is like horrible. Yeah. But, but Rulo is a whole nother level of depravity for sure. Yeah. It yeah. Is. It yeah is. The Yahweh cult and in his organized crime and yeah. just uh, ritualistic torture and, yep. And we spent the first half hour talking about how kick-ass Nebraska is. Yeah. <laughs> Come to our state. We're the te- we're doing ter- we're terrible tour guides. No, I, and that's right. really, that's probably all we need to say about it because the rest of it really is well, so awful. Yeah, and you like, want to talk about satanic panic? I mean, that, God, there you, you know? go. There you go. I think Ugh. it's just I think it's significant in the way where it coincides with this militia movement and this kind of like mm-hmm. hard right, you know, like fascist, like you know, situation. And then it turned just into this like murder house, <laughs> you know, like, it was- yeah. Like, like it's not even like, um, when you say like far right, that isn't even, it's, you can't even throw like a political no, it's, it's thing a on it because deal, it's yeah. like, it's like, it's worse. It's like, can you say it's, it's worse than like a Waco? Yeah. It's worse than a Ruby it Bridge. Is. I mean like those, but it, like, this is a whole, like, it, right. it's yeah. I, I like, it goes right, but it's like, yeah. And, right, and in, this, right in right to sheer insanity is the way <laughs> yeah i mean this guy like thought he was some kind of prophet obviously we've all heard mm-hmm. that song and dance but yeah it, it's mm-hmm. if you're very curious you can google it i don't want to go into details on this because it, it i'm i'm squeamish and it horrifies me and i read about it once and i don't need to again <laughs> yeah you know and, and it's like but it's like that little it's that like i don't even remember what grade i was in when that was all going down but i mean like my parents really encouraged me to be a reader yeah, because you know they were older people. I talk about this all the time, but my my dad was seventy when I was born. My mom was forty, and like evenings were spent with my dad reading the paper cover to cover. You know, front yeah. page to the last page, front page to the to the weather. Read everything. My mom read tons of crime, uh, true crime was her a lot of things, but a lot of history and biographies. But so we spent a lot of time at you know in the evenings reading, and so yeah. I would read the newspaper like as a kid, and oh, then <laughs> you know and all that was coming down around that time. And you know, Steve. Yeah, man, it's, it's jacked up. I'm, I'm happy to move past that. I did just feel like we had to mention it because it's, it's, uh, it's horrifying. Anyways, I'm going to, I want to do one more true crime thing just because, uh, yeah. ne- so because there, we haven't had enough depravity. Because on your we haven't yet. had enough. Right. But, um, <laughs> and you just did, an absolute banger of an episode on this topic. And that is mm. Charles Starkweather. Mm. Uh, he, so Charles, I'm, I'm going to just tee it up for you and, and let you talk about this if you don't mind, but like yeah. so Charles Starkweather and I can't remember, you know, why don't you tell people about this? Yeah. <laughs> I think well, you know a lot more. Yeah. I just put out an episode that was, um, it's I so good by the way. It's so good. Thanks. I was like, yeah, it, it was something that I've always wanted to do, but I never had the right vehicle to do it until mm-hmm. I saw that this uh, true crime writer, 
uh, a lawyer, uh, Nebraska native, Harry McLean is his name, wrote this incredible book, like the book that always needed to be written, mm-hmm. written by a Nebraskan, but who went off uh, and had a great distinguished law career. Um, and he's, and he sold, he sold millions of books of, about other subjects too, but other true crime stories. But so he really, he did this, this book about, and it's called Starkweather. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you know, in Starkweather, people are familiar with like, uh, how it was, um, uh, natural born killers was kind of loosely based on things like that. Bonnie, yes. you, know, yeah. you know, like that kind so, of a, thing. a true romance, all these things that kind of like that, that mm-hmm. killing spree of a couple, that kind of, uh, mythos was created from charles starkweather yeah and because yeah because you know we're talking about the late 50s and you know televisions were starting to be much more commonplace in people's homes and then like nationwide broadcasts and and satellite feeds from um maybe not satellite but you know what i mean like feeds from different parts of the country and everything so like this this horrific it was like the marriage of media and like uh murdertainment news yep. with with this horrific spree killing with a guy who in photo when photographed looked a hell of a lot like um james dean yeah you know so you gotta you know he's kind of goofy looking in person but like the way he's photographed smoking very, the pompadour yeah yeah for the cigarette dangling rebel yep. without a clause kind of a thing and you know he takes this girl carol ann fugate on this crime spree murders her family three people there uh, earlier Mary, uh, murders a gas station attendant in Lincoln. They couldn't, they had, they thought it was just done by a, like a vagrant or a transient. Right. There's four people dead. Uh, they go to the one guy's house that they, that might help them. This guy who owns some property, a farmland that Charlie used to, as a kid, and he is a kid, but as a kid younger, used to hunt on his property, shoots that guy. Then, then uh, their car breaks down, it gets stuck. Uh, two teenagers come and try and help them. Those two get killed. So what are we up to? We're up to seven. They go back to Lincoln. They murder a husband and a wife whose kids away at college and the housekeeper are up to 10. And then, you know, they're on the run. They're on the lamb. They're in Wyoming. There's a guy, a traveling shoe salesman. I mean, we're talking the fifties here. So this yeah. is a guy, there's a traveling shoe salesman taking a nap in his car. Starkweather tries to steal his car, kills him. So like over the course of a couple weeks, you know, 11 people murdered broadcast nationwide. You know, it, it, it was just such a, he writes with such a flair uh, and this kind of uncommon touch in true crime where he really puts you into the action and in, into the era. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's really easy to read about these, you know, kind of like a, uh, you know, like a timeline kind of an account, but he really takes the, the culture of America and, and the Midwest and Nebraska and wraps it into this, this um this incredible story uh charles starkweather yeah murdered all yeah. these people and like really like and like through my episode but mostly through his i mean like through his book he tells about like the sheer effing panic that it put this part of the country and it did because it, cha- it, well, it changed the midwest but i think it, it was a very big national story like it was like huge. top news yeah yeah and then the controversy of like did she know that he murdered her parents, you know, because, yeah. you know, there's, there's controversy there. And then, you know, there's some resolution at the end where, uh, Harry, and this, it's an incredible part of the book. I actually read, like I read that part, the epilogue of his book. And then I went back and read it again because he actually goes and not confronts, but he, he goes and makes contact with 80 year old Carolyn Fugate, who is in right. a, um, she's all, um, uh, she's still alive. But she's kind of crippled, car accident, stokes like that. She's getting old, dementia and everything. Mm-hmm. And he 
he goes and and like talks to her in the nursing home and it's it's very it's it's just such a, it's such a book if you haven't uh studied or read much about stark weather i've got a couple other books they're fine but this new book by harry mclean it's i, I can't it's just one of the best true crime books that I've read. You know, right. people are saying it's like it's the next in cold blood, but you know, like Truman Capote right. kind of a thing. And it's it's definitely that kind of it looks like it's that. I don't know if we'll ever have that kind of uh, Truman Capote kind of, you know, right. like an author being that big of a deal, you know, like that for true. Well, I don't know, but people but don't read it anymore. So I doubt it. But yeah, <laughs> people don't read. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. But, but 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 my God, you know, like uh an incredible important story sadly uh yeah. that put nebraska kind of on the map but and you yeah. know bruce springsteen wrote the album nebraska and sings that song i know fuck man i don't think people <laughs> know true. he like was inspired by the stark weather thing and that's you know like yeah yeah and, and it's you know uh but i'm only as good as my guest man and like harry is you know he's 80 and just uh he he talks about how his how his um in the book but on, on the show too uh he talks about how like growing up there himself kind of like what we just talked about like with the juber thing and like uh harry's brother was in class with charles starkweather and they used right. to pick on him you know yeah. so like it just like it was, it's, he's really connected but it's mm-hmm. just not just a local guy it's like a local guy that made it big and is a big time writer and just di- decides to to kind of go back uh and, and and he also has a personal touch about uh you know he was kind of a troublemaker himself right a lot of ways when he was growing up in lincoln and uh Damn, man, it's such a good book. I mean, like, oof. I'm ordering it tonight <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to say, and I, I mean, like, so, and I can't remember, I think it was either a reporter or a biographer who was interviewing mm. him once he was arrested and incarcerated in jail awaiting his death sentence. But I'm sure you've heard about this too, where he describes seeing a Bigfoot type creature. Yeah, I've read. Yes. I don't, yeah. I, I don't know how valid, valid this is, but he said it was like a, seven foot tall creature covered in hair mm-hmm. and and like we mentioned earlier the lincoln area has had quite a few bigfoot sightings oh sure i'm not saying stark weather saw a bigfoot like i i don't usually take the word of mass killers but uh right he did say that he saw this large creature that cried like a baby and had uh-huh. like breasts and he kind of thought it was death like the yeah. Grim Reaper, right? That's how, that was because this is before the even the term Bigfoot was around. Oh this yeah, is like this is 50s, you know, so. yeah, this is like fifty eight, and you know, like long before the Patty film, the Patterson yeah. Gimlin. Oh film. yeah, this is a good decade before. Yeah, so when he's describing, yeah, pendulous breasts and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. my I somebody posted, I think it was John uh, posted something about it on on Facebook, and I said, well, if he really would have saw it, he would have shot the motherfucker. He would. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. He was not shy about killing. That's for sure. No, he was pretty quick to pull a trigger. So he was. But uh, I, you know, I'm I'm just kidding. But yeah, but yeah, but see, even Starkweather came, comes out and says he's seen something in Nebraska. Yeah. So like like whatever, man. That's yeah. Crazy. I don't. Yeah, and I I almost hesitate to even bring it up because I'm like I don't want to like get excited about a story that a mess murderer put out there but you know it, it it just is it's part of the lore of stark weather and but you know yeah. like in 58 like uh let's see i'm trying to think like albert osman that was in the 20s uh that's the guy that was abducted by bigfoot and then uh you know ape canyon that was like in the 20s like yeah i mean it was kind of in the lexicon but not as not as yeah. bigfoot and it wasn't like i mean there's always been stories about wild man stuff but it's so weird that he stark weather said that he saw something like that and yeah you know outside of his window like as a kid right 
Yeah, for sure. Oh, <laughs> is, that, oh. is that crazy? So yeah, it is. I mean, like, I don't know what to make of that at all. <laughs> I don't either. Just, I think you just, you just kind of state it and put it out there and let it. Yeah, you know. that's that's all you can really do with that. Um, yeah. Okay, you know, that's the end of the true crime se- session. But before I let you go, I want to bring up one more case just to bring it to the paranormal so we don't end on a deathly note here. Yeah. But you've been there quite a bit, and I, I actually don't know much about this cemetery, but it's the Black Angel of Death in Council Bluffs. Yeah, it's just the Black Angels, the Ruth Ann Dodge Memorial, and what it's based on. Oh, yes, on... The, they don't call the cemetery the Black Angel of Death. <laughs> no, it's all by... It's, it's, a really, it's a really picturesque cemetery that overlooks... Um, like if you, if you stand in the cemetery and you look to the West, you see a gorgeous view of, of Omaha, Nebraska from, mm-hmm. from, from council Bluffs. It's right, not too far off the banks of the river. It's like on 23rd street. And if you're counting down, you know, you're a couple, couple, 23 blocks away from, from the river. Right. So it's just, it's, it's tall, old headstones, moss covered, you know, some of them are kind of crooked and whatnot. It's well cared for, but I mean, it's right. just an old historic cemetery. And so Ruth Ann Dodge, um, Came from a, a rich family. Um, she was having dreams as she was dying of cancer. And she had dreams that this angel would visit her, uh, you know, on a boat and whatnot. So long story short, after she uh, succumbed to her disease, uh, this statue was commissioned and, and made and carved and, and placed out there as a memorial to her. And just over time, you know, it's, it's darkened. Mm-hmm. You know, the statue is just kind of darkened and it's kind of got that uh, patina, yeah. you know. And, uh, and it's, uh, it, it's also a, a fountain. So like she's holding a bowl and water trickles out. It's right. It's beautiful. It really is. It's gorgeous. And, and I, like I said earlier, I'm going to take Josh Darren out there. And it was the first place when John Tenney came to visit, uh, for the first historic haunted heartland, uh, you know, he got off the plane and one of the, we got him some coffee and then I took him out to the black angel and he, yeah. <laughs> he looked around for, uh, uh, acorn from an oak tree there it's for his collection. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. But, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, but so it's got a, it's got a kind of a beautiful story about being visited in a dream and having a vision and, and this, this talented sculptor made this beautiful sculpture that, that is there to this day in this historic old cemetery that overlooks Omaha, the historic haunted heartland. So I love it. But, you know, back in the day, it's like the hatchet house. It's like seven sisters road. We had all these stories that you would go over the river and that was a big deal. Like, Oh, like yeah. when you're in high school, like you're just going over the river, but like you're going in your car. Yeah. You're in high school. You're going to another state yes. tonight. You're, you're going to Iowa. You're crossing the river to go to Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. You're driving past all the porno shops on Broadway <laughs> Avenue. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Had to say it. Poor Castle Bluff. <laughs> yeah. You had to drive past the uh, the adult emporium to get there. Yeah. Sorry, CB. Sorry. <laughs> it's your town. It's gone now. But, but you drive down Broadway Street and then you turn up 23rd Avenue or whatever and and uh, and you'd park your car. And the neighbors never called the cops or anything like that on us, but you'd go up there. And the thing was, you'd always hear the stories about if you touch the water in the bowl or if you look in the bowl, there's a human heart in there. I mean, there's a million stories like or that. Or the eyes follow you, like her eyes like come, you know, start animating and like. And I, we went to Westside, so you'd hear stories like, well, these guys that went to Burke touched yeah. it. And then, you know, <laughs> and then they got in a car accident on the way home. And, yeah. you know, it's like, but it's just a beautiful, like during the day, it's just the most picturesque, beautiful, peaceful. There's benches there you can sit and there's always like 
people doing their power walking around there during the day. And the yep. city of council bluffs does beautiful flowers and baskets. And, you know, it's really, it's, it's, it's worth visiting and just mm-hmm. checking out and, um, in their chamber of commerce and the, the uh, council bluffs historical society, uh, you can get like free pamphlets about it that, that explains the story and the history of it and everything. And it's, it's a beautiful memorial that of course, you know, teenagers turn into the angel of death yeah. and human yeah. hearts in the bowl and all that shit. Yeah, but, it's true. It's all true. As far as but I'm it's a concerned. great, yeah, it's a great old story. Oh yeah, that she's having like this this dream that that she's being visited and being carried away um, by by this angel, and it's just over time that the angel, uh, the metal has you know turned yeah. black and everything. But so that's now it's an angel of death. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what's interesting? I mean, I, I I find this interesting. One of the most dramatic. Uh, UFO cases in this, you know, eastern Nebraska, kind of Iowa, Council Bluffs area, mm-hmm. happened at Big Lake Park, which is really close to that cemetery. And yeah. I'm not sure if you recall the, for my listeners, or I'm not sure if you know about this, but in 1977, I believe, uh, and this is kind of an era where there was a lot of UFO sightings in Nebraska and all over the world. Yeah. But there were two different cars full of people who saw a disc looking object that was glowing red and emitting in slag hot molten metal looked like it was falling out the bottom of it and it landed on the levee and like burned holes in the wood and so these two uh cars both of them independently called one called epley airfield and one called the police so epley uh epley airfield came out there and so did the police and so did people from offutt air force base Mm mm-hmm and I guess other people had seen this. They had noticed it. Eppley had noticed it on the radar. And they, when they got there, the stuff was still burning, the the slag. And today, I and and like I don't get that excited about like this, you know, kind of like metamaterial stuff in the UFO scene. But one of the pieces that they're studying at Stanford right now, Jacques Vallée and I believe Gary Nolan and some other people, is the slag from Council Bluffs. First of all, that should be like a band name, Council Bluff Slag. <laughs> yeah, it should, it should. Second of all, that's an incredible story. I don't, I don't know if I've heard it told that completely before. That's incredible. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll send you. I have uh, the Omaha uh, Historic Society has a good write up about it. I'll send that to you. Uh, it, it's oh, wow. it's not the most complete. You, you, Jacques Vallée writes about it quite a bit in, in a couple uh-huh. different books, but uh, yeah, that happened very close to where we grew up, and I didn't know that growing up until I started reading Vallée's work. I was like, wait a second, what? Wow. And yeah, now big... today it's, you know, when everyone's talking about the metamaterials, the metamaterials, wow, that yeah. is the piece. That's the, one of the main pieces that they're studying. How exciting. I know. It's kind of fun. I it's love it. Man. See what the great things you listeners are picking up listening to this show. You're so smart. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Corey, I cannot thank you enough for giving me your time. And, you know, just, it's been such an opportunity and a blast for me to talk about someone who's passionate about Nebraska weirdness as I am. Uh, you are a true gem, my friend. It, it's nice to have a, uh, a brother in arms going into this stuff. Well, and everything that I said, like you being such a great ambassador in this town, I absolutely mean it, man, because thanks, buddy. you know, there's not a lot of us out there. Nope. And thankfully, thankfully, like you're a true, authentic kind voice out there i'm like who doesn't like steve berg uh there's people trust me <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure all right uh, let's let's smash some tacos soon yeah i would love to i would love to before we go uh, or something where, where can people find brian Corey and brian Corey's work in the necronomic the necron 
I said it right, the Necronomicast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks, Steve, for everything and having me on. Uh, if if you like what you heard so far, kids, <laughs> you can uh, all the all the podcast platforms, of course, um, and you can go to necronomicast.com. That's spelled N-E-C-R-O. N-O-M-I-C-A-S-T, necronomicast.com. Or you could go to Google and just type in like Brian J. Corey, Omaha. It'll come up somehow or other. Um, be prepared. You might, you know, see video clips of me playing trumpet. You can skip past those if you just want Oh, to, no, you shouldn't. This if you want to get to the ghost rips. stuff. If you want to get to the ghost stuff and things like that, that's that's totally cool. Like I like I like I said, like, and I told Joshua Darren this, and I'll end my little spiel with this. Like, my whole thing with my podcast you know, there's not going to be like a, a big break for me. I'm not out there like smash that subscribe button, you know, do all these like, you know, and, and that's cool and all, but I would not have, especially being from Omaha, let's, let's be real. I wouldn't have this opportunity to meet um, Pulitzer Prize winning authors or foreign correspondents for Lamond. I wouldn't be able to talk to Bob Gimlin. I wouldn't be able to have all these great conversations like and meet John Tenney and Dustin Perry and Cindy Kays and Steve Berg. And like, I wouldn't have this opportunity if it wasn't for like, you know, having this podcast and it's a vehicle for me just to simply have conversations with people. And hopefully I do my best like mixing them and making them sound tight. And I hope people like it. I just, I I hope they do because I tell you every show that I put out, I'm not just putting it out just because I got to get a show out. Like I, I work hard on it and I, I really respect the people that I ask to be on my show. And I spend a lot of time like supporting them, supporting their documentaries, supporting their books, supporting their podcasts. Um, you know, it's just, uh, like you said on my show, like, uh, uh, a tide raises all the boats. Well, how'd you put it? A rising tide lifts all ships. And that's a beautiful thing, man. And it's it taken is. me a lot of time, especially being a musician to realize that because, Sometimes, you know, the music business and being a musician, it's, it's cutthroat and it's backstabbing and yeah. you got to get the gig and you got to, yeah. you know, you know, opportunity knocks and you got to, got to, got to go. You got to do this yeah. and that. But like with the podcast world, I can, I can slow down a little bit and I can take my time and have great conversations and really meet interesting, really uh, fabulous people like yourself. Oh, you stop. Well, the love shows in your work, my friend. And also, I would I would not skip past his uh, trumpet playing because this guy is a <laughs> jazz man. He rips. He rips. I've seen you play, dude. It's, you rip. Uh, we have fun. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Oh, everyone, thank you so much. You'll be able to find all Brian's work and where to find him in the show notes. I cannot thank you enough for listening to this show and listening to us go on about Weird Nebraska. We had a lot of fun doing it. Everyone, have a great dinner this evening. Peace out. <laughs>